Are you making your way back to the Hill after August recess? So am I. Let's grab a coffee and talk health policy. Send me a note at dpain at politico.com. This is Pulse Check. I'm Daniel Payne. More than 5.5 million people have been taken off Medicaid since states began reviewing their roles for eligibility earlier this year, according to a new report from KFF, and that figure is expected to grow. The rate of disenrollment varies significantly by state. For example, Texas has a rate of around 70% of people losing coverage, while Wyoming's disenrollment rate is under 10%. The use of large sets of data from the health sector is unregulated in much of Europe, with two-thirds of countries in the region having no national rules for its private sector use, says a new report from the World Health Organization. New technologies that are shaking up the healthcare space, like artificial intelligence, use and analyze the data to make sense of population-level trends to improve outcomes. And the U.S. HIV-AIDS program is facing new funding headwinds in Congress. Politico healthcare reporter Alice Miranda Olstein is here with more. Glad to talk. So Politico's Carmen Pawn and you have been following the U.S. global HIV AIDS program, PEPFAR, which has been credited with helping save 25 million lives. But now there's some uncertainty about whether to re-up the program. Can you explain what's going on here? Yeah, so Carmen and I have a story out this week basically saying that Congress is almost definitely going to blow past the deadline of the end of September to reauthorize PEPFAR. And it's kind of complicated in terms of what that means and doesn't mean. It doesn't mean the program will shut down if they fail to reauthorize it. It'll sort of continue on autopilot. But we talked to a lot of people, including people who were in Congress when the program was created, people who run PEPFAR projects in other countries, giving services to people with HIV and AIDS and their families, who say that not reauthorizing it for the first time in the program's history would be really damaging. It would mean that it would limp along on these kind of one-year funding patches, and it would send the signal to other countries that the U.S. isn't really in it for the long haul. So they're very worried about that. And there's a big lobbying frenzy happening with a lot of pressure on Congress on both sides. Meanwhile, you have anti-abortion groups pressuring members of Congress not to reauthorize it. And that's because they claim that program money is going towards abortion. We can talk about where that claim comes from. But this is really tense. And there's only a handful of days before the program's authorization expires. So the fight is on. Can you talk a little bit more about what exactly PEPFAR does around the world? Yeah, so it was created under the George W. Bush administration, and it has been one of the biggest successes in terms of U.S. foreign policy. It provides services, like I said, to people with HIV and AIDS and their families all around the world, including getting people tested and getting people with HIV and AIDS on the medications that can keep them alive. It's prevention programs around the country to prevent HIV from spreading and to prevent new infections. And And it helps support kids who lost their parents to HIV and AIDS who've been orphaned by it. And like you said, you know, government estimates that over 25 million lives have been saved through this program. It's been bipartisan throughout its decades of history. And really, this year is the first time we're seeing this kind of showdown where some conservatives, mainly in the House, supported by outside conservative groups, are really pushing not to reauthorize the program 
program as is over these claims that it is sending money to provide or promote abortions. I want to ask about those claims. Is there evidence that PEPFAR funds have been used to provide abortions? So no, not directly. And so you have the administrators of the program saying this is not true. You have the people across the Biden administration saying it's not true. You have Republicans who helped create the program. I talked to former Republican Senator Bill Frist, who is currently calling members of Congress to try to save the program. He says he's seen absolutely no evidence any money has gone towards abortion. Where these claims come from is that money is going to groups that then use other separate money, non-U.S. taxpayer money, to educate around abortion as an option, to refer people for abortion. And the conservatives say, oh, well, you know, money is fungible, so it doesn't matter really what source they're getting it from. It's like we're indirectly subsidizing these abortion services. But the programs themselves really stress, like, look, it's been longstanding U.S. law that you can't use any federal funding for abortion, you know, whether domestically or internationally. And so there are already really strict reporting requirements and all kinds of oversight to make sure that no money goes directly to abortion. But that doesn't go far enough for a lot of these conservatives who say they want to reimpose rules that were in place under the Trump administration that say that groups that get U.S. funding can't even use other funding to do this work. The groups also point to the Biden administration guidance documents for the PEPFAR program, which make references to reproductive health, which they are arguing is like a code word for abortion. So it's a lot of these sort of indirect things. But to your question, there is no evidence that money has gone directly to support abortion. And if these concerns persist and the program is not renewed, what are some of the legal provisions in PEPFAR that could be terminated? So I will say that in the House, where most of this fight is happening, it looks like there, unless something changes, there's not going to be a reauthorization by the end of the month. What they're trying to do is to put a one-year funding patch for an operations spending bill to keep the program going for a year. And they're going to try to put these legal provisions in there so that they don't lapse. So that includes things like rules that a certain percentage of PEPFAR funds have to go to kids who are orphaned by HIV and AIDS, for example, or have to go to, you know, direct program services rather than, you know, overhead, etc. And so there's a real concern about losing those oversight provisions because the administration could choose to continue them or they could decide not to. And it's not just a question of President Biden and what he would do. This is potentially several future administrations as well. And more broadly, how might this showdown impact the U.S.'s global influence on public health? This is an argument that PEPFAR supporters are really hammering. They are hoping that conservatives who may not be swayed by the humanitarian arguments for PEPFAR will be swayed by some of the geopolitical and national security reasons for continuing to support it. And so you have some Senate Democrats and Republicans and some outside groups saying, look, if we don't reauthorize PEPFAR, this will only erode U.S. standing and influence abroad and allow other powers like China, like Russia, other powers to sort of step in and have more influence in these developing countries. And so there's a real concern about that. There's a real concern about sending the message that the U.S. maybe isn't as committed to this work as it used to be. Alice, thanks so much for talking with me. Great to talk. Thank you. 
And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese and Alex Keeney are our senior producers. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Daniel Payne. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.